you know, we have big crises in our lives that challenge the theology that we grew up with, which really make us stop and think, um, you know, why did I believe that? Or where did that come from? Thank you for joining us for our Congregational Care Podcast. My name is Karen Lampy. And my name is Laura Berg. My name is Joy Dister Dominguez. And we are um, here today to have a little conversation about theology. Now, theology is essentially God talk, just a, just a 25 cent word for what it means to talk about God. So in our context of the Caring Congregation, theology of care is what we're going to be thinking about today and um and many times people are just unsure as they think about mm-hmm. what's happening in their lives and how um, a difficult situation um, is affecting them. And they ask big questions. So we need to be clear about our theology. So um, that it's a foundational piece mm-hmm. of what we need to be able to talk about. So my colleagues, <laughs> I would ask you to explain some of your initial thoughts about theology of care. Yeah, well, I, I think every time we talk about theology of care, um, people often get intimidated. They're not sure what they believe, and they're not sure how, how to articulate what they believe, especially in the context of congregational care. Um, we've seen such harm uh, with bad theology surrounding care, uh, especially around death and dying. And so we, we see the, the negatives of such, of such bad theology. And so how do, we, how do we articulate what good theology is, what sound theology, what, what biblical theology um, guides our, our why? You know, I think anytime you are either forming a congregational care ministry or you are um, serving in a, in a congregational care ministry setting, um, either as a pastor or as laity, I think it always needs to go back to the why. And our theology drives that. Um, you know, we all have a theology or multiple theologies, our belief and theory of of the nature of God, who God is, and who we are, you know, who we are in relationship to God. And yet we just don't take that time to articulate what it is we believe and why until, like you said, Karen, like those tough questions get asked, you know? That's right. Um, yeah. So. Then I think we have a tendency to hop right back to our <laughs> third grade theology. Yeah. <laughs> And what we learned as a child. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because uh-huh. most of the time, our, our theology is like something that's passed down. It's it's inherent that we learn from a young age. Um, the experiences that we have um, and the way that our family responds, um, uh, and they either affirm our theology that, that we've grown up with over the years as, as situations come up, or it challenges it. Sometimes you know, we have big crises in our lives that challenge the theology that we grew up with, which really make us stop and think, um, now, why did I believe that? Or where did that come from? I remember as a child, um, uh, grabbing hold of my dad's shirt tail, you know, and, and, you know, jerking it 
so I get, could get his attention in the middle of conversations he was having. And yes, that was an interruption, but it was an interruption because I had a need to know. Mm-hmm. And so I would ask those questions, you know, you know, when are we going? Why can't, why can't I get such and such or, you know, um, help me understand these things. And I just took that to where um, I've often referred to it in my faith journey as shirt tail faith. You know, it was enough for me to cling to. And the answer was solid enough. And I remember how undone I felt in my theological thinking when I hit my first crisis in life. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, you know, how do I do this faith journey? Because the shirt tail stuff is not mm-hmm. working for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, it took me a number of years before I could give myself permission to ask the questions and it be okay to ask them, mm. you know, and I think so much of it was, you know, in my upbringing was don't ask why just do as I say, mm-hmm. or, you know, that type, type, type of thought, um, even as it applied to the teachings of the church at the time, um, how it was taught to me anyway. Sure. Um, and, and so it was a, you know, just take it at face value. And it'll be there when you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I think in the experience I've had as I've ministered to people in need, um, there is a necessary undoing of some of the things that have felt most solid for us, mm-hmm. so that we come to a deeper, richer um, understanding of the Spirit of God within us that is doing it, that wrestling with us. You know, it's not I'm wrestling apart from. God and who God is, it's the spirit within me is giving me those, those, that mind and that heart to be able to Mm -hmm. to wrestle with God, that Jacob moment that is necessary Mm -hmm. so that I can feel the foundation under my feet again and realize, Mm -hmm. you know, I can take forward steps and life is perpetually moving forward. And and now it opens me to a, a possibility of a new understanding of God, you know. Um, but, but Laura, when did you feel like that wrestling was acceptable? I mean, you went from as a child, like just this is how it is. Don't ask questions to now I can wrestle with like what what changed? When did that shift happen? Um, I'd have to say that when it happened, um, it felt like I was losing my faith. I mm-hmm. felt my faith was weak. Mm-hmm. And I even had some um, well-meaning Job friends who would sure. offer that to me. You know, you just need to go back to the Bible. You just need mm-hmm. to go back to your faith. You know, all those types of But But deep down, I knew. I, mm-hmm. I knew that there had been a, a paradigm shift in me on my my understanding of God. And I was okay with it. And I, I would say many things that I wrestle with today or that I did wrestle in the past are coming to a, um, a, more, a, a more open, <laughs> inclusive theological base for me these days. And, and I'm just at a place of peace where I can say, you know what, there's only so much this little mind can comprehend. <laughs> and, um, and I'm okay to allow God to take the space to do in and through sure. me what God needs to do um, to reveal something that might be of value, not only to me, but of value to those I'm caring for. And it, so when we are with people and something tragic or amazing has happened in their lives and they look at us and they say, why, where was God? 
I don't mm-hmm. understand this. How could he or she, uh, whichever fits into their paradigm, have allowed this to happen? Mm-hmm. And and for us as pastors or CCMs, being able to really have within us some key understandings or words that we can give to them. Um, just this past week, um, a friend's nephew passed away, a congregant's um, nephew. And the, that was the, these are front row people. And yet again, here is the great cry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, sure. it is, I think, that wrestling that happens and for us to look each other in the eye when it happens and to be able to say, this is not what God would have wanted. This was an accident completely. And for us to be reassuring each other what an accident means. Yeah. So, um, and that God grieves with that family. Right. I mean, and we see that. I mean, that goes back to our understanding of scripture when Jesus wept over Lazarus, right? It's, it's such a, a beautiful, holy moment. Um, that God grieves, God weeps, God grieves. It's, it's, uh, yeah. And isn't, I think it's uh, amazing too, when we can say in that moment, when that question comes and we're struck with the, oh no, now what do I say? Um, I I've, have found myself oftentimes able to say, I, I hear, I hear you. I'm asking that same question right now. Um, a person can gain a lot of strength in knowing they're not left out in the, you know, the darkest, darkest island by themselves and, and that someone else is asking the same question, mm-hmm. even when it's a clergy person mm-hmm. who's asking that question, you know, all of a sudden I'm going to feel safe. If it's me on the other side of that coin, I'm feeling safe. Like maybe I'm going to even be able to say some other things that are underlying this and, and be able to express why I feel that God has abandoned me. Maybe maybe I need to tell you what I've thought about God. Mm -hmm. And now, now because I'm in that trusting mode, I can now ask you, who is this God, (laughs) you know, and, and, and then we're able to help guide. um, If we're given that time and opportunity, we're, we're in that space of grace, Mm -hmm. the Holy spirit to help us with the reframing, um, maybe the undoing of a, of a negative uh, concept of God to a deeper relational God who, who says to us, I am with you in this, in this, I'm with you. And, mm-hmm. and we become the representative of Christ in that moment. Sure. Absolutely. Um, one recommendation I wanted to share, um, there's a really good book, um, Why Making Sense of God's Will by Adam Hamilton. We'll put it in the show notes as well. Um, I had our CCMs, our congregational care ministers, read that book. Um, and then we had discussions. It's a really short book, um, but that helped give words to those those deep questions of why. Um, and I think, like you said, permission, like, Laura, like permission to sit in that wrestling, permission to sit in that questioning, because uh, I think there's often shame around um, struggling in faith, which I feel really sad for people who have that shame. And I always try to 
remind people like there's no shame in, in the wrestling. Um, and to me, that's when I've always grown the deepest to God is, is in that, how could this happen? Where are you, God? Like, why did this happen? Um, that's always been the places that I've been able to really evaluate my own theology. Um, and it's so interesting. It, even as a, uh, a seminary trained pastor and ordained uh, minister, um, I'm still reconstructing, deconstructing, reconstructing my own theology. It's not something that like, once you got it, you got it. <laughs> you know, it's something that you, as, as, as new crises come, as new things happen. Um, I'll just give an example. Uh, you know, but two years ago or so, my husband and I, um, uh, uh, suffered our, our first miscarriage at nine weeks after, after seeing the heartbeat, strong heartbeat at six weeks and was told everything's going to be, everything's great. Baby's great. Um, and then when I had this miscarriage, it was just, I mean, like the bottom just fell out for me. And, um, I really struggled. I, I, I struggled. Like, why me? Like, I left a, a lucrative career in hotel management to follow you, God, and to, um, I said, yes. You know, I said yes to following you, to be, uh, you know, to follow the path of ordained ministry. And, um, and so much that I've sacrificed and going back to school and all of this. And, like, this is the one thing that I – felt you were leading me to. And then why did this happen? And, and it's almost this, it's that reconstruction of, of how I thought God works. Like if you say yes, and you follow and do exactly what you're supposed to be, that, that bad things won't happen to me, you know? And it was so hard. And yeah, in the midst, I had to go back to reconstruct that, you know, I had to go back to my basic understanding of who God is. For me, my basic theology is simple. God is love. And so if I hold on and cling cling to God is love, of course God doesn't want this for us. God grieves with the with this loss that we are grieving. And so, um, but I feel like we're we're all having this evolution of our theology. And um, and that's to me is so beautiful and holy. You know, Joy, as you're you're explaining that, it's as if the process of redemption or restoration, restoring, has to constantly be evolving, mm-hmm. even in us, the caregivers. Yeah, and and that's one of the things that I I really think in our um, conversation as the caring congregation, we really emphasize that whole idea of what does redemption look Mm -hmm. like when we are thinking about restoring souls, restoring, Mm -hmm. and in the meantime, meantime, keeping our, even um, our souls restored. And, and so in helping people with that redemption process, you know, we talk about taking on three different kinds of roles, prophet, priest, or physician. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when we do one of those three roles or two of them at a time or whatever it is. Um, it's that piece of helping people be restored with a new understanding, a greater understanding of how God is working in their lives. And, yeah. um, and, and you know, even when you said um, 
I think it was Laura, you were talking about how your theology has expanded into a more inclusive uh, kind of um, just that piece again is redemption over Mm -hmm. and over again when we face new things. And, um, you know, I feel like I've learned so much in the last year with all the um, considerations for a better race relations and, and all, yet I'm still not done. Redemption is not fully there for me. Right. I'm just, mm-hmm. um, I'm working on that and, and trying to set that up for people. Mm-hmm. Which I think is so, so important for us to, when, when we're thinking about the word theology, is, is to not say this has become my concrete understanding of God mm-hmm. and my concrete understanding of humanity and how, how this God figure and humanity work together in a relationship. Um, if it if if we first begin with the study of, that means that this is an ongoing. I mean, I would not have paid all the money I did to go to seminary if I thought I already had all the answers. So, and and news just flash, gave you more questions, I, right? It does give you more questions. It does. It does. Yeah. But you know, I I think that that's the exciting thing young people are teaching us today. It's okay not to have, they're fine not knowing all the answers. Mm-hmm. We just want to be a part of asking the questions and then figuring out what we do together mm-hmm. for the good of mm-hmm. everybody. And that gives me such hope and, and even a wider expanse of my understanding of God and my hope in humanity. We hope that you are enjoying this episode from The Caring Congregation. Check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com, for additional resources and information on how you can join us for an upcoming webinar or host your own seminar to train and equip your care ministry team and pastors. We also have two brand new books out, A Care Minister's Manual and Implementation Guide, just released by Abington Press. You can purchase through Abington, Cokesbury, or Amazon. Now, back to our conversation. You know, lately, we are all being asked, if we haven't asked it of ourselves already, you know, I've, I've had some uh, biblical people ask me, do you believe that these days are the end times? You know, and I, <laughs> that's one that always kind of stumps me because I, then I go back to my books. Okay, well, let's talk about the end times. Um, and yet I, I ask Joy, you bring up the the theology of God is love. Um, how much energy do I need to put in and trying to figure out if this if these are end times or or they're mm-hmm. not, and what that means, what that terminology means? Um, if 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 we're asking that question from a spirit of fear, mm-hmm. and, and I sure. think a lot of our theology revolves around a spirit of fear versus an inner an inner uh, voice that is spirit of love. Yes. I, I, I think those two um, frame frame our study of theology. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I think about the prayer life for me um, and and how theology works. And and I can tell you, I, I know better better than just about anybody how to do the bargaining and the begging. 
<laughs> of, of prayer life. And bargaining and begging is based, I think, quite often for me in a spirit of fear. Sure. Whereas spirit of love says, God, give me the strength to bear this cup. Yeah. Uh, give me the courage to bring about this change in my life. Mm-hmm. Give me wisdom. Sure. Give me wisdom that I can know where you're asking me to bring about change and where you're not. Give me understanding about the nature of you that is about restoration and not mm-hmm. retribution. Mm-hmm. You, you're not here to punish and reward me in these circumstances in my life. You're here to restore me, to restore my soul mm-hmm. and to that place where I experience peace and forgiveness and restoration, reconciliation, mm-hmm. forgiveness, hope, whatever is that need God knows I have need of so that then it serves the purpose of offering all of those gifts to those we're caring for, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. to our stranger, to our enemy, to the suffering, to the outcast, to the marginalized, to those who feel they have no place within Mm -hmm. any understanding or nature of God's love and grace. So, you know, Laura, so as you're emanating all of this and you're in your leadership role as pastor CCM, uh, I what my belief is is that then we create a new collective consciousness, mm. or we not that's that it beautiful, is, but it is a cre- uh, the creation of a collective consciousness when we as leaders believe that God is love, and we emanate that when we we uh, are able to sit with people and assure them and help them move past their fears. Uh, that they can somehow, again, be in that consciousness that God God is in all of this. Well, and I think Jesus modeled that theology yeah. of care for us. You know, he, he shared his care ministry with his followers. Mm-hmm. He, he equipped them and he empowered them. But he also recognized that they were unique in their own way. They were unique mm-hmm. in their gifts, their talents, their their specific graces. He, I think Jesus saw their differences. He understood their backgrounds. He knew what made them different. And he saw their imperfections. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think when we do this, as, as we gather with our CCMs, you know, in our, in our training opportunities, um, those opportunities even become for us as clergy and lay people, opportunities for growth and to gain a new perspective and, um, to put those things into practice, the, the gift of presence, you know, Jesus' sure. deep listening and empathy and compassion. Um, I, I had one uh, CCM, I'll, I'll, I'll call her Rita uh, for purposes of confidentiality. Um, you know, she had grown up in the Catholic tradition, and so um, she felt called to uh, be a Eucharist CCM uh, in an ALF. And she got to know an individual who had told her she would never take communion again. And Rita would come to our meetings and wrestle with this this concept, her own theology of of the, the sacraments and her understanding of it. And she was just insistent that she needed to give communion to this to this person she was caring for. But but the elderly person just absolutely refused. 
And so it wasn't until there was a space for listening to this person's whole story and to understand why she had made the decision not to commune at the table until her gay daughter was allowed to come to the table as well, mm-hmm. that this CCM began to understand why that reconciliation for this elderly person was so important. And then she was able to share from her own story, her own struggles with having a gay daughter. And so um, it's, and honestly, that to me is breaking bread with one another, mm-hmm. not, not with the elements of bread and wine or juice, but communing together in that sacred space that is a very um, a sacred moment where mm-hmm. um, the sharing of that story gets broken open and we are now able to give and receive and be made whole from that experience. And boy, has that reshaped her understanding of, um, of the sacraments. So, you know, we're all kind of stuck in the ways we've thought about God and one another and, um, you know, I love this new uh, collective consciousness thing um, Karen's mentioned. So, yeah, it's a great unlearning. Uh, and I love that about theology. It, it doesn't mean God gets smaller. You know, it doesn't mean God's love and grace disappears when we ask mm-hmm. these questions. And I think we fear that. Will I, will I lose, mm-hmm. you know, my faith uh, in God if I ask these questions? But or if I wrestle with the deep questions, you know, even just to entertain a new understanding. Sometimes I think we just feel so threatened by those new ideas, um, right. but instead allow the expansion of the, the possibility of understanding can be a holy, very, very holy thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, when we think of to um, John Wesley via Albert Outler, we need to say, <laughs> gave us the Wesleyan quadrilateral, which is um, when you consider any question theologically, think of four uh, different possibilities, how you think about scripture, reason, tradition, and experience. Mm -hmm. And when you consider all of that and put it into the mix, I think there is, we again, that expansion of um, our thinking how do we really think about um, even even like suicide when you begin to consider all of the different ways um, that we as a people have expanded our understanding of the whole idea of what it means to take your life and to have more greater compassion, to have the words that will help us understand um you know when you think of suicide first of all if you think about scripture and you think of all the people in the scriptures who struggled with depression anxiety Mm -hmm. and then some who succumbed uh, to taking their own life you know you think of um just everyone from um even david and samson um hagar um, Job, I mean, those are some of the Old Testament names, but then you, you um, also think of, of course, Judas, and, um, mm-hmm. and, and the names just go on and on if you really look and to see who struggled. Mm-hmm. And, and so scripturally, you know, what I, I 
really think is important for us to understand is that there's no condemnation mm-hmm. when this Amen. occurs. Sure. It is it is as if the scriptures explain this is where the person was. There's this is this was their struggle and when some finally do take their life, um, there is no condemnation. And I think that's that helps people not get stuck in that. And then when mm-hmm. you know you go on to just consider um, what it means to think about the tradition. I, I personally, I am so grateful for the way the United Methodist Church explains suicide in our discipline. Yes, um, be- because it really it, it says that a Christian perspective begins with the affirmation of faith that nothing, including suicide, separates us from the love of God. And there it is again, Amen. friends. That mm-hmm. God is love. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. Right. And yeah. um and so anybody who, you know, wants to kind of explore what your tradition says about suicide, I think that's a good place to start. So you have good words of care to say um to others. And then you move on to reason and you help people connect the dots of why, why, why. Here we are again back to the why question. Um, and helping them, um, sitting with them for months mm-hmm. <laughs> because the same or questions <laughs> will come up or years. Exactly. Joy, um, to come to that encouragement word then of this is not God's will for that person. And then lastly, just the experience if there's a suicide, one of our key things that we really promote through the caring congregations is that there should always be people who jump down in the hole, so to speak, with people who have had the same experience. Mm-hmm. And so we try to find people who have lived through that experience, who have a faith that's been formed, um, and that who can clearly walk with those people who are new to those big questions and to their huge understanding of grief. How do they process this? And those who have walked that, they know the road out. Mm-hmm. They can find the, the light through the, the darkness because they have lived it. That's where having a great team. No, this is not <laughs> a, a a lone ranger sport. This is a team sport. Amen to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. What what a great discussion. I I'm so grateful for all of our perspectives, all of our backgrounds that have in the ways that we've all struggled and wrestled with these questions and um, and helped other people walk through their understanding of, of theology and, and it's ongoing. It should be, like I said at the beginning, it it should be an ongoing discussion and ongoing wrestling. Um, So I appreciate all your time today and Laura, will you close us in prayer? Sure. Join me in prayer. Oh God of love and grace. You are God. And boy, am I glad that we have an understanding. We are not. And because of that, you give us space and the grace to join together in our questioning and our wrestling. God, we know that there are a number of times where we come against some hard, tough places in our life. 
And most often that's where we do our wrestling. That's where we do our greatest attempts to understand. And, and we have lots of uh, tools in our box, lots of different understandings in our boxes of theology that, that we carry around. And sometimes all you want to do is uh, to speak something new into our lives. So we pray, oh, loving God, that you would continue to open us and guide us, help us to understand you more deeply and to understand one another uh, and to grow together and to wrestle together. All of these things we pray in the matchless name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com, for more resources and information on seminars and our newly released books. Be sure to like and share this episode and subscribe to this channel. Join us next week as we explore further topics on congregational care ministry. Until then, may God bless you and keep you.